Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, we're up to episode 111, July 13th, 2021. Welcome, Brad. That's a palindrome, Gavin. It's palindromic. Ooh, fancy. I was thinking cricket, and when your team's on one one one, everyone's got to put like lift their legs up off the ground for good luck or something. But Wait, you lift both your legs up off the ground at the same time because it sounds difficult. When you're sitting, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, like you're in like, like the bench, the dugout. Position. Yeah. So is, is that like the count, like we have in baseball? Is it equivalent in cricket? Some, uh, that's actually the, the score, but there's another one too where you're one, two, three for five. <laughs> so that, you know, little things like that. Anyways, enough talking about that. Let's talk about uh, the podcast. So, first up, we want to thank Auto Solutions, who's our sponsor, who makes this podcast possible. They make Cold Box, Command Box, Forge Box, Test Box, and almost every other box out there. And uh, obviously, they're doing a lot of things for the community. So here's a few things you can do to say thank you back to Auto Solutions. And from Auto Solutions, we would love it. So if you could like and subscribe our videos on YouTube. So we have uh, the podcast videos go live live every week. And we also um, edit them a little bit and re- uh, release them. So if you can like and subscribe those, those they would be awesome. We also have a uh, CFCast. So CFCast is our video service, which we release new content every week, some paid, some free. So if you sign up for a free or a paid account, that would be really helpful. And we also have Audis's uh, new book, the 102 cold box HMVC quick tips and tricks, which is available on Gumroad. And we can probably officially stop calling it a new book now because it's been <laughs> a little while, but uh, you know, it's the newest book that we have. Do you remember when, like, when uh, I think Gmail was in like beta for like two years or something? Was that if, it 10 years? <laughs> I don't know. If, if Google can have something in beta for years, we can have that book be new for years. So. While we're waiting for the new book, which is 103 command box quick tips and true. tricks. If, if you just say newest book, then that will be true for as long as, you know, however long it takes me to write the command box version. Well, you better get your act together. Uh, I'll, I'll drop everything, including this podcast, to get right on it. Okay. Sorry, I got to go. I got a book to write. <laughs> well, we also want to thank our Patreon supporters. So, Brad, I don't know if you noticed or not, but we have 38 Patreons now providing over 100% of our I I, I did funding. notice, but only because I saw you talking about it in Slack this morning. That's awesome. Yep, Way so, to go, Patreon supporters. Yep, so we had a couple of um, people last week. We mentioned how they'd upgraded their support from a smaller package to a bigger package, which is awesome. We really appreciate it. And so now we've met that goal of funding the podcast. So we're 100% for that goal. And so now we've added another goal. So uh, the next goal is basically to fully fund the Forgebox site, which is, you know, our a website for providing all the downloadable cold fusion packages and everything there's a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into maintaining the, the site itself and the hosting on amazon and or s3 packages that we have on amazon for all the public packages and then obviously yep. our cloud and then everyone's time man- maintaining it and and building new features so um we are 41 percent on our way to fully funding forgebox io cloud and s3 so, awesome. Yep. Check out those uh, 
the bronze package, it's the, it's the one you want to look at or higher, but those, uh, the bronze package gives you the CFCAS subscription and the ForgeBox, um, is it a pro account? I forget what it is. Yeah, ForgeBox Pro, which gives you the um, private that's, that's the best deal, because if you're thinking, man, I'd love to sign up for CFCAS, and I'd also love to have private packages on ForgeBox, and I'd also love to give to Patreon, just do a bronze account or higher, and we wrap it off on a, all in one little nice box for you with a bow on top. And then even better, we now have annual memberships on Patreon. So if you pay for the what? whole year, you save 10%. So if you hate having your credit card run every month or you're a business and you get your boss to sign off on you know a one-time payment, maybe uh, if you do that, you can save 10% by doing paying for the year. So the annual memberships are now available for Patreon as well. So pretty cool. Okay. Enough talking about people making this podcast happen. Let's make the podcast happen. So news and events. So first up, Coldbox 6.5 has been released. So um, Luis has been working hard. So Cashbox, Logbox, Wirebox, and uh, those standalone libraries are all upgraded as well. Uh, so a lot of work on stability and making sure all the bugs are being addressed. Um, but there's quite a lot of quite a lot going into it. And for those who are watching, I'll share my screen and you see what's new. So we have a what's new section in our documentation, which is kind of nice. You can go back to see all the different uh, what's new for all the different sub points. So module helpers are no longer injected or mixed into interceptors, which is a big one. Some people didn't uh, know that happened. So that's the 5.1 release and it's up of a little improvements. Yeah. The, the six, the six, five one was a little kind of patch release to fix that regression right there that you mentioned. Yep. So make sure if you update, you update all the way to six, five, one. Yep. And so in here, quite a lot of bugs were squished, some improvements as well. And then you can see that we have little tabs. So there's a cash box. Oh, nice. um, Oh, black hole store oh. never finishes the reap method. That's interesting. So that bug was fixed. Yeah, that one came up on Slack actually recently. Yep, and then a couple of improvements to the log box as well. So, yeah, so that's a pretty big update there. So, six point five point oh has been released. It's in the wild, and uh, we're excited to have that out. So Let's make it sound like it's some like you know feral animal in the wild, like ravaging poor programmers. Well, Luis, when he's inspired, kind of does look like that. <laughs> it's like it's like Frankenstein. He's escaped from the castle. He's alive! Yeah. Well, wow. we also have a, a CF config release today, right before this podcast. Brad's like, what's the links in here? Something else for the news. So tell us about CF config 1.4. Um, it's true. I, I literally published a blog post about five minutes before we jumped onto the uh, onto the podcast. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've got a new version of CF config. I don't normally blog about the new versions just because <clears throat> most of the updates to CF config are just little tiny, you know, additions here and there. I add a setting here, a setting there, a setting everywhere, a setting, setting. Um, but I <laughs> added a nice little chunk of features. It's really about like four or five features. All I just kind of did them all at once. I've been putting some of these off for years. Um, but I've got them all typed up here on the blog post. The, the 50,000 foot overview is um, I've made it a lot easier to manage what you import and what you export. Um, CF config has always kind of just been like a, a whole package deal, right? You export all of your config into a big JSON file 
and you import all of that JSON file back into the server. You can't really pick and choose. So we've added um, an include list and an exclude list to the import, export, and transfer commands. And that's a common limited list of what things you want to import. You can take a JSON file and say, only import data sources or only import mail servers or only import this one specific data source, right? Or that's the exclude important. list is, is the opposite, right? Import everything but um, my password on my mail server. Um, and you can do deep keys, you know, data sources, dot, data source name, dot, host kind of stuff. So um, you can finally kind of choose what you want to import and export. There's also an append flag, which is another thing that people um, ask for quite a bit. If you have a, a server with like two data sources in it, and you take a JSON file that has a third data source, and you you know do cfconfig import, it deletes the two data sources in the server and replaces them with just the one data source in the JSON. It's always just kind of an overwrite. Um, so now you can add the append flag whenever you use cfconfig set or the cfconfig import export transfer, and it'll leave all the existing data sources, cf mappings, mail servers, event gateways, scheduled tasks, blah, 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 all the, you know, the complex uh, config types, and it'll just merge in what's in, the JSON, what's in the JSON file in with the existing ones. So that's the, the second kind of big feature, which is, gives you a lot of flexibility, because sometimes people want to have multiple JSON files and kind of import stuff, you know, in layers. Um, and then the third uh, kind of big feature that we added is one of the really common things is people export their configuration to a JSON file, um, but they're like, well, I don't want my passwords in here, right? Pretty common. You don't want to commit that to your repository. So it's a manual step where you have to go find and replace all your mail server passwords, your data source passwords, your key store passwords. There's quite a few passwords floating around with the environment variable placeholders. Well. Now, in the latest version of CIA config, you can supply either directly to the export command or a setting in command box, a list of replacements, which are regular expressions, where you say, you know, data sources dot anything dot password, I want you to swap that out with db underscore password environment variable. And so when you do the export, CF config will do all those replacements for you. Um, since they're regular expressions, you can do back references, you can have a dynamic names. Um, it's, it's really pretty powerful. I, put a bunch of possibilities into it. So you can export and get a JSON file that's pre-populated with all the environment variables. And better yet, it'll write all those environment variables into your .env file automatically. Hmm. So when you export and you say, swap out all my data source passwords with an environment variable, you get a, a sort of sterile JSON file full of environment variables, and you get a .env file that's pre-populated with all the environment variables and the actual values that they were. So if you were to turn around and re-import, it would all be the exact same data reassembled. So um, it's almost like you're paying attention to the normal workflow, huh? <laughs> well, we, we use this a lot and it's a, uh, it's a pain point. So hopefully yeah. this will kind of help, um, you know, make that easier. And the last thing is the CF config set and CF config show commands now work the same as package set and package show where you can do dot delimited keys. Those used to always just be simple, cfconfig show data sources, but you couldn't do cfconfig show data sources dot name of data source. Um, I don't know why I've never made it do that. I think it's just, it was an older command that I never have looked too closely at. So those now support all the, the good flexible, um, you know, dot delimited keys and stuff. Um, Charlie just asked in the chat why I didn't make it a 2.0 release. I seriously thought about it, Charlie. There's two reasons why I didn't do it. The first reason is because I didn't break anything. Uh, there shouldn't be any breaking changes. So technically, that's only a minor bump. The second reason why I didn't do it, which is probably the larger reason, is because 
um, command box won't upgrade. Package managers in general, NPM does this, command box does this, won't automatically update across to major version. So everybody with one point something installed who typed update dash dash system would not get the new version of CF config. They'd have to explicitly install 2.0, which is how it's supposed to work because uh, you no know, breaking changes and major releases. Um, and I knew that that would stifle adoption. All, all these people would get stuck on 1.x versions because they would never realize there's a new major bump and that requires extra work for them. So since I didn't break any backwards compatibility and I wanted people to get the update sooner, I went ahead and made it a minor release. But I did think about a major bump, Charlie. That's a good Yeah, well, those are good uh, reasons, good though. That's a, that's a good reason to have a major minor. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, with all those combined, there's a, a bunch more flexible options for managing your configuration. And one really cool thing is um, since the cfconfig set command lets you do these dot delimited keys, that also translates into the environment variable uh, conventions that I added a couple of releases ago, oh, yeah. where you can have an environment variable called cfconfig underscore in the name of a setting. So you, if you wanted to override like your deploy logger to be a debug level, you literally can set the environment variable cfconfig underscore loggers underscore deploy underscore level equals debug. And that'll drill down and set that specific setting and that specific logger. Uh, it's a Lucy feature, by the way. Sorry, Adobe folks. Um, and when your Lucy server starts up, you can just kind of pinpoint that one log level and change it to bug without even having to have a JSON file. So, in fact, I need to add that example to the docs because most people probably wouldn't think about that. But there's a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of new flexible things. So read the blog post, test it out. Please yell at me if I broke anything. Um, I changed a bunch of crap to make all this work, uh, but it looks like it's working pretty good in all my tests. Very cool. That's it. Very cool. Okay, I know we're not in the conference section yet, but I wanted to make a special announcement that we extended the deadline, and I, I didn't get it right last week, but we extended the deadline for the end of the box topic submissions to July 15th. So you have like two days if you're watching live to get that in there. So submit, submit your, your topic. Topics. Uh, I'll, the selection committee is already planning meetings tomorrow and after the final deadline too. So we're starting to go through all the content. So we're going to be making selections very soon. Um, so we want to make sure don't miss out. Go get, uh, get your submission in there. And then right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet this right now. What, which, which URL is the topic submission URL? Is that it's the, one the Google the form notes? one. Yep, in the show note, the Google form. All right. Maybe yep. I should say this is not a drill on my post. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but the other thing I want to let you guys know is because we haven't even got the call for speakers over yet, our super early bird tickets are still available. So the, the price right now is $2.99. And then I think as soon as we make selections, then our early, super early bird might go to an early bird or even just a normal bird price. So if you are thinking about coming into the box, grab a super early bird. And if you are submitting for call for speakers, grab a ticket anyway. Worst case is we can, you know, switch you out, uh, refund you or whatnot. Uh, that's usually what I do when I'm submitting to conferences, buy a ticket too, but get the early bird we price. All, and we already have registrations coming in for into the box, which is awesome. Yep. It's I'm good so to excited. see those numbers coming in. We want to see a few more Good people person. buying them, but yeah, so get those out uh, as soon as you can. And then we'll be putting the link in here for the show notes for you. But if you go to itb. Uh, sorry, itb2021.eventbrite.com, then you can get those ticket prices. And I see Scott in the chat talking, and he's one of those ones that I think early purchased, already purchased for him and his minion. So uh, he'll be there. 
one way or the other. Yep. I don't get the Flappy Bird reference. I guess I wasn't listening. Sorry. Early Bird, Flappy Bird. There's a game called uh, Flappy Bird, isn't there? Mm, the most okay. ripped off game ever or something? Well, I don't anyway. think it's ever copyrighted, but yeah, there were a lot of versions of Flappy Bird. Yep. So anyway, into the box. It's coming soon. Deadlines real soon, too, for the call for speakers and for the early, super early bird tickets. So don't miss out. And then uh, Luis has been busy. Those who saw him at uh, Adobe Developer Week might have seen him talking about Content Box 5. So as part of the uh, that presentation, he talked about the Content Box 5 release candidate. And he also has released um, the first few versions of the Content Box CLI. So basically, the CLI is uh, some additional commands for Command Box to make you uh, your life easier working with Content Box. You can create modules and widgets and themes and all sorts of different things. The installation process uses uh, this as well. So Content Box CLI is out there, and uh, we have links to both of those releases. So um, the videos, which we'll talk about yeah, a little later. Yeah, the Content Box CLI is the, the CLI that all the Content Box users have deserved for years but are finally getting... <laughs> yep, we've, we had, we've some, had like basic some basic stuff. Yeah, we had a couple basic content box commands that are built in the command box, but we never really kind of attacked it with all the possibilities. We just talked about it. So Luis has gone nuts on the new content box CLI. So it's yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean the big thing really is that supporting what five or six databases that we're supporting now, and oh, then crazy. and all the engine differences that basically the commands just made life easier you know because if you try to install on confusion things would be locked if you try to update this right. things would get locked if you're on windows things would happen differently than um you know yeah you know. Louise has pulled his hair out like three times over i think trying to support postgresql and all the databases on all the different cold fusion engines and hibernate versions yep and this yeah having having the cli to help automate stuff is definitely more flexible than trying to have you know, code inside the ContentBox application is updating itself. Uh, yeah. Patrick asked in the chat if that CLI is completely separate from ContentBox. Um, nope. It is a ContentBox module, and technically, the the old ContentBox namespace is also a module. It's just one that ships with ContentBox. Um, this is just a module as well, but it's not one that's installed by default. You have to install it separately. Um, and that way, uh, Luis can update it immediately, kind of like CFconfig. You know, we can push out an update anytime we want. You don't have to upgrade the entire CLI. Now, what I think I might try to do, I've talked to Luis about this, is find a way to ship um, the content box CLI with command box, like as an out-of-the-box installed module. But it would still be like a user module you can like update anytime you want. Um, but for now, yeah, it's just a module. You, you know, install it from the command line, just like you do CFconfig, just like you do .env and all that stuff. And yep. then you you use it, and instead of the content box namespace, it's the content box dash CLI namespace for the new stuff. Okay, very cool, and yeah, and just to jump ahead a little bit here, so the Adobe Developer Week videos are coming soon. Um, the coldfusion.adobe.com portal slash videos. So coldfusion.adobe.com slash videos is where all those videos will be when they get them edited and out there. Now, just for those uh, who are keeping track, before we released, or sorry, Adobe released a couple of the API videos in that seven video API series. Now there's actually six videos in there. So they've uh, added several to it, but um, that's where the videos will go when they're there. So if you want to see some of those other API videos, check that out. But then once they 
do you have weak videos are there you better see luis's video on content box 5 and he shows the cli and how to use it uh and you know i'll give you a really good look at how that's going he is working on the documentation right now so he should have an update soon and we'll uh we'll give you an update as we get more information on that like i said they're working hard on content box 5 they got a new release candidate out the cli is out so we're really really making good progress so we'll keep you in the loop and, and go from there so I did jump ahead one. So Brad, you want to tell us about Ordis webinar for July? Ordis webinar for July. I don't know anything about it, but if I can find it in the show notes, so I'll read it to you. Oh, this one, yes. Oh, I did see this one on Twitter. Um, building API integrations with Hyper. Um, Hyper is a, a library that Eric um, Peterson wrote a little while back, which really makes it, it wraps the CFHTP command, but it gives you a really nice fluent DSL, and you can reuse, um, you know. Uh, because a lot of times for an API, you have to send a whole bunch of HTTP headers or authorization, and you find yourself writing the same code over and over again. So Hyper lets you kind of like build up an HTTP request like you would use for an API and kind of reuse that template. Um, and so it works really well for doing APIs for that reason. So Michael Bourne is doing this uh, webinar. It's Wednesday, July 21st. So what do you guess, the 13th? That's Just in, over a week. Uh, oh, yeah, a week and a day, uh, 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, the description here says, learn how to connect to a public API using Hyper in this webinar by Michael Bourne, where he'll cover API integrations from storing secrets to writing unit tests. Ooh, I like that. To publishing the finished reusable library on ForgeBox. Ooh, bonus. Nice. So he's going to cover even publishing to ForgeBox. Which is pretty easy. Like a pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I love using Hyper. Uh, it saves me a lot of headaches and... A lot of things so if anyone uses something like axios you know in javascript or something like that it, it has some of the similar features you can mm -hmm. set up you know your headers and everything ahead of time and an object and then just call it so it saves you a lot of work it, it just removes a lot of boilerplate stuff you know things you do like checking the status code and getting you know the the content back and then deserializing it you know hyper just has a nice little method just called you know like as json or two json or something like that you know and it just, it just gives you back deserialized it's a, it's a nice little library. Yep, for sure. Uh, definitely good. So you can go to autosolutions.com slash events slash webinars to see all of our webinars there. And you can register for this one already. So it'll send you a reminder, add it to your calendar, et cetera. Um, but yep, looking forward to that. Now, in case you missed it twice, um, Lucy mm -hmm. 5.3.8 was released. But I want to give Brad an opportunity to talk about it because I know he's been waiting a long time for this to come out. So we've been telling you it's been released and they've done a lot of work on it, but thought give you your five minutes to, or 50 minutes, mm -hmm. whatever you take to talk about Lucy 5.3.8. So yeah, so 5.3.8 is the release that I thought would just never happen. Um, though it didn't take as long as 5.0, um, but it took eight months worth of development, but it has a, a crap ton of stuff in it. Um, it's very stable except there has it's ironic we it spent so much time trying to make sure every single regression regression was squashed um you know zach went through the um the you know the, the jira ticket tracker and you know all the tickets we could find that were labeled as regressions we you know made sure all of them were fixed in 538 i say we i didn't really have much to do with it but uh, zach and misha did because you know the problem is people are always like oh i can't upgrade to a new version because like, there's still this regression you haven't fixed so 538 was was all about like stamping out every single regression so there'd be no reason why people couldn't update 
Um, ironically, there has been a regression that was introduced in 538, which was probably introduced five months ago. Because I looked at the ticket, it was a ticket of mine that caused the regression. Um, and ironically, it went unnoticed for like five months of you know release candidate testing until 538 released, and then people were like, "Oh, hey, on application starts, no longer thread safe." Oops. Um, but that is already fixed in the latest snapshot build. So if you want to play with 538, I actually recommend you uh, grab the latest snapshot, which is like 191, I think, maybe. Um, there's a lot of builds in 538. Um, it's basically 538 just with the on-application start thread safety issue fixed. Um, but yeah, so my query query performance stuff that we talked about like a billion years ago, okay, months ago, um, is all in 538. And this is the, the big pull request I sent to Lucy that makes query queries now faster than Adobe Cold Fusion. I take that. Um, and has native support for aggregates, um, group by, better distinct support, uh, sorting support, all kinds of stuff. Um, and there's a bunch of new methods that are compatibility with Adobe stuff, array methods like shift, unshift, push, pop, splice. Um, even some really handy stuff like struct value array, uh, which is like struct key array, but it gives you an array of values. I actually, I, I'm using that already in command box because it's such a, a, handful fun a handy function. So. 538's out, it's super stable. There's a, a ton of stuff in it. Um, I, I totally recommend you check it out. Of course, it's on ForgeBox, as well as that latest snapshot build I talked about that fixes that one little regression they found. It's all on ForgeBox, um, ready for you to use in your command box servers. And the next version of command box will finally be updating to use 538 as the core Lucy version as well. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty stoked about the 538 release but partially just because I waited like half of my life for it. It felt like <laughs> I, I kept giving them a hard time. I was like, hey, guys going to release this, release this sometime in this decade. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good release, though. They cool. worked long and hard on getting all those regressions out. Yeah, I mean, they did. Um, and they said this is going to be the last release of 5.3, uh, right, before 6.0. Are they changing because that little regression or... Well, so it was a little confusing when they said that. Um, it's intended to be the last like release of the 5X series that includes any sort of like new features, right? You know, enhancements and things like that. Everything else is all going into 6.0. However, my understanding, though, I don't think Lucy has actually officially announced this. The, the, the talk internally uh, at Lucy was that they wanted 538 to be an LTS release, meaning a long-term support release. So the idea is if you install Lucy 538 in your servers, this is a version that will continue to get any security fixes, bug fixes, tiny patches for, in theory, years to come. And they never really quite defined what they wanted to do with it. But they wanted it to be you know, a release that would still kind of get fixes. No new features, no new enhancements, but if there's something broken or a security thing, it would be backported and you could you could install 538 and you could plan on using it for the next you know few years in your server without being you know i don't know if i should say years but still you can stay in it for a while and you're not going to be left in the dust yeah it makes um, sense. especially since you know 6.0 realistically is probably nowhere close to releasing i mean lucy 5.0 took like two years i think to release so you know 6.0 has been in development for a while now and i'm sure it'll you know, go around uh, for a while before it finally comes out. So 538 is going to be your nice, steady landing ground. All the regressions that they, they can think of are squashed. Any bug fixes that come up, you know, will be put into it. But 538 was kind of the last big, you know, hurrah for 5, 
X and everything else is going to go into six. So yeah, that's maybe. the long way of saying basically yes. Yeah, maybe they should do a 5-4 and then just say, okay, now this is the LTS and the miners will be just bug fixes or something. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, so how, do you, how do you update the 538 five, five, number? Well, right. So Lucy doesn't do strict semantic versioning like most projects do. Uh, I don't know if strict is the right word. For most projects, your first number is your major uh, number. So if you have any breaking changes, you do a major bump, right? We just talked about this to see a config. Your second number is minor, which means I added a new feature. Your third number is patch, which means I fixed a bug. And then the fourth number, if you have it, is typically just a build number, right? So in like NPM style semantic versioning like Commandbox uses, um, build number is not supposed to indicate a difference in code, right? So like, you know, Coldbox uh, 5.6.1, regardless of build number, should be the exact same code. If you run the build a second time, it's a new build number, but it's the same code, right? Um, that's not how Lucy works. And in Lucy's defense, it's not how most Java projects work. Lucy follows a common pattern in Java projects, which is you have a four-part number, which all use dots, no plus signs, like the NPM style simpler. Um, and the way Lucy does it is the first number is more of a paradigm number. Like we increment this number every once in a few years and we make like giant paradigm shifts in our product. The second number, the minor, is more of the breaking change number. So Lucy will make breaking changes in 5.2, 5.3, 5.4, right? And then the third number is more of like, hey, we, you know, just added some features. And then the fourth number isn't really a build. That's more of a, we fixed a tiny bug. So it's, it's very similar, but it's, the numbers mean a little bit of a different thing. Yeah, so shifted. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So Lucy will break stuff by and only increment the second version. They usually only increment the, the first number when, you know, they're like, hey, it's a new whole major release of the product. Uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, it makes sense and they are consistent in how they do it. Um, but you have to read it as most Java projects use their four part version numbers. You can't apply the same logic that you see like Ordis using in our products because we use more of the NPM style where it's only a three part number and they kind of have slightly different meanings. But yeah, because I mean, if I see I've got 538 installed and you have 538 installed, I'm not going to look at the build number, but now I know I have to, which is... Yeah, and, and for the record, Adobe does the same thing. They have a four-part number. Now, they never <laughs> Adobe never uses the, the second number. It's always just a zero. But it's like, you know, 2021, or sorry, yeah, 2021.0.1, and that'll be their updater levels, and then they'll have a build number, which I'm not actually sure exactly how they i know it's incremented by their bill i'm not sure what their rules are on it but yeah adobe's pretty similar to lucy they just don't use all the numbers nearly as often um, yeah and they also have less releases and bigger chunks so right they do they lucy do yeah every two years adobe will just do a major bump and then they'll have you know 10 to 15 updaters in the meantime whereas you know lucy's on a slower schedule they don't release as often but they release uh they don't release big releases as often but they release tiny releases every you know Every few days, a snapshot build comes out. Yeah, and, and, and interesting stuff. Um, yeah, how version numbers are handled. Yeah, like I thought, uh, you'd have some good intro or information on that. So I wanted to remind everybody in case it missed it one more time. But we also have another reminder: CF State of the Union. Oh, sorry, State of the CF Union survey. We have uh, over three hundred results now. 
the results are looking pretty cool. If you like numbers and graphs and stats, it's pretty neat. But we want more people to fill it out, right, Brad? I mean, we've already got a couple of hundred uh, to go we to do. 500. In years, I think we've gotten four to 500. So we're still a little low on on things. So if you filled it out, send it to your coworkers and the people you know who don't hang out on social media and don't listen to the podcast because a lot of people just don't know about the survey when it comes out. Yep, and so there's some good stats in here. Um, it looks like most people are still using Windows, but there are a few Mac users for CF Server, and then a lot more Windows users for laptops. Mac's actually getting up there. Chrome OS is a few developers using that. Interesting. Chrome and OS. Git for Windows and Raspberry Pi. Can you install ColdFusion on Chrome OS? Well, this is for development. Doesn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe they're just uh, editing code and then FTPing it from Chrome OS. Most people support Chrome, obviously. Edge is getting up almost up to Firefox. Um, yeah, it's fun to see uh, the trends in these numbers. I like how others, Oracle's and others, but Oracle's there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, people regularly will type things into other that either don't apply to the question or was in the question, but it's okay. Yep. Some framework questions. Wow. More people still use Fusebox than CF Wheels. So if you're a CF Wheels person, want that number to get bigger. So you pass Fusebox, which has been dead for what, 18 years. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think out. people are building new stuff with Fusebox. I'm sure there's a lot of existing stuff still. Yeah, sitting out there and it works and they don't want to touch it. Yep. But anyway, some good stats in here. So uh, fill it out. It really helps a lot of people make some important decisions on what to support and what to drop. And so. 171 people say they use command box. So out of what, 317? Yes. Ooh, 54%. More than half. That's not See, bad that, considering that, that, who's actually filling it out. You know, a over lot of half of the state of the CF union respondents say they use command box. That's like the four out of five dentists recommend right there. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's five out of 10. But yeah. How does it go, Charlie? There's there's lies, damned lies, and statistics. Is that how that works? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there another saying where it's like there's a statistic for whatever point you have? <laughs> Just got to go find it. <laughs> Something oh, like that. Uh, possibly. I like the one that's like 95.4% of statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah. Of course, you can say whatever number you want with that one since, you know, kind of the point. Yep, for sure. Okay. So next up, we have our CFCast update for you. So last week, we released the last two videos from uh, the object-oriented programming with Nolan Erk. So we oh, had speaking CFC of Nolan, I'm sporting my South of Shasta shirt today, which is Nolan's company. Giving him ah. some props here. Very cool. Yep. So uh, that whole series now has captions. Uh, remember, the first full videos of the series are free. So even if you only have a free account, you can check those out. But it's a great series. Object-oriented programming. And the last two videos were CF Docs with Docbox for documentation and coding guidelines with CF Format. So uh, those two videos were out. And that series is now complete. Uh, we also had some other videos released last week, or actually earlier this week, which was using DocBox. So we have configuring DocBox and writing great documentation with DocBox. So those two videos have been released as well. And then later this week, we're going to be releasing the Quick Workshop videos. Uh, who 
Eric Very Peterson nice. led that workshop and we recorded it um, just recently. So those videos will be starting to release this week as well. And looks like we've got some pretty good content coming up as well. Um, so more with, well, more what's new with Coldbox 6, what's new with QB8, um, more of using Docbox, Logbox 101, and we also have what's new in Content Box 5 starting to be um, recorded as well. So lots of great content coming your way. Um, again, cfcast.com. Go check out all the latest webcasts and free and paid accounts are available. And yeah, lots of good content. So next up, conferences and training. So Brad, tell us about Into the Box. I'm busy tweeting about my CF config release. Why are you bothering me with a podcast right now? <laughs> Sorry. <Jeez. laughs> I thought you were excited Into about the Into the Box. It's live and in person. I, uh, I said earlier in my tweet, uh, looking for speakers, it's it's live and in person. It's not a cat. Remember that that video that came out during COVID, the lawyer that sh that showed up at the court on Zoom. And had a oh cat yeah. The room. Anyway, <laughs> okay. He, was... he, said, he said he said I'm here in person. I'm not a cat. Um, anyway, I don't know. Maybe my family found that significantly more humorous than. I just had to figure out what you're referring to, but yeah, now I remember. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife actually went out and got t-shirts for the kids that she bought them online that said, like, I'm here in person, I'm not a cat, just because she found it so funny. But yes, uh, Into the Box is is, is going to be live in person. It's not going to be a cat. Um, so September 23rd and 24th, uh, no workshops. We're keeping it simple. Um, uh, call for speakers is open, but it's not going to be open for long. So submit your talks ASAP and um get your tickets get your flights we've got a super duper early bird tickets available um obviously we'll have the schedule up as soon as we have uh, speakers and things finalized but get your stuff for it um it's going to be fun yep and into the box.org has been updated it looks really pretty uh let's i'll share my screen for those who haven't seen it yet but uh, we're updating it there. And again, as soon as we have the speakers and schedule, you will have it up there as well. You can join as a super early bird, register right in the middle of the page there. Um, but it looks interesting. We're in the galaxy theme this year. And for those who know, um, the Hyatt Place at Woodlands is where we're holding it, same as the last couple of years. So we're excited to, to have you guys come join us in person. And yeah. We are excited about that. Okay, so next up we have ITB Latam 2021, which will be live in person in El Salvador. And we're confirming dates soon. It should be either December 2nd or December 3rd, as soon as we have that uh, the, the booking, the hotels, etc. For that, we will let you know as well. Okay, and then if you go to conf.tech, you can find out more information about conferences. And there's something kind of cool on the site. Remember a while back, we we sort of put together as a community and we got Cold Fusion added to the list. So now if you click on Cold Fusion CFML, you see into the boxes listed here. So uh, hopefully we'll have some more Cold Fusion conferences very soon and we can add them as well. But uh, it's kind of nice to have it on there. And obviously lots of other great content, other conferences you can check out as well. But yeah, so 
So that's it for our conferences. Let's get into the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And the first one is this crazy person, Brad Wood, talking about CFconfig 1.4. That so, sounds crazy. So you already had this, but you also had a tweet talking about your enhancements, and uh, I already had I that in the in the list. So I'll leave it there for those who want to yeah. see your tweet. I pretty but, much already talked about all that. So just yeah, we'll just uh, get past that. Check out the new version. Yep, for sure. Okay, so next up we have another thing we've already covered, the Coldbox 6.5.0 release again. But don't worry, it's not all order stuff. We have some other content here too, trust me. Uh, so next up we have something from Charlie Earhart on the ColdFusion portal. And so he's talking about how the ColdFusion security code analyzer now works with CF2021 with standard and developer editions, not just the enterprise edition like it used to. So this is uh, pretty big news for those who have uh, haven't been able to go ahead and you know, get the enterprise version. But but yeah, the the security code analyzer is a really neat tool. It can help you uh, you know analyze your code. There's quite a bit of work in it. With, there's videos on it too, but. Um, this has been since 2016. I think they released it and they've made updates to it. Um, but now with 2021, yeah, you don't even need the enterprise version. You can actually point it at your trial edition um, straight at your, you know, your local server, or you know, if you have a standard license on your other server, you can do that too. Now, uh, Charlie does point out, um, basically, it only worked with the CF Enterprise license or trial not specifically with standard developer. But I think that there's something here about the CF Builder. Um, you do need to have the CF Builder version that actually, um, for it to work. Cause, so the enterprise requirement is only in CF 2021. Um, the other versions still have it, um, but basically, whoa, wrong button for those watching. Sorry about that. But you basically do have to have, um, you know, CF Builder. Um, 20, CF Builder 2021 is not out yet, but um, so you need to make sure you have that. And I believe you need to have the right license of that to work. Otherwise, it holds back various features, and the security code analyzer is one of those features that it does hold back. So you might need a builder license, but um, yeah. So just to let you know and also charlie does mention you have cf builder license you may uh, you may have that you don't even know you, you had um, when you buy um, other licenses you get certain ones free etc so yeah basically yeah the trial or free uh sorry the trial or paid version of uh, cf builder does does work the free express version of builder does not thanks charlie i was trying to spit that out and then it also gives you another alternative as well. So Fixinator, we've talked about that many times. Uh, it's a great product by Pete Freitag and uh, Fixinator is another option or alternative. So, um, but yeah, it's a great blog post, read through it. Um, Security Analyzer is a, a great tool. Um, you may want to look at that if, if that's something would help your business. Okay. Next up, we have another thing from Charlie, and this is a, a weird one, and the solution is even weirder. So have you seen this one, Brad, where Charlie's talking about when you're trying to uh, download from Adobe's website or if you're trying to do form submissions um, 
or even on the Adobe Tracker site, you basically um, have downloads that won't start or the bug doesn't get submitted and it says bug submission failed, things like that. I saw his post on that. I don't know that I've ever gotten any of those errors myself, but then again, I don't typically uh, download a ton of things from Adobe sites. So yeah. And so maybe that's why I haven't run into it. Yeah. I remember some of the bug tracker stuff, but the solution, which, you know, Charlie says happens, uh, fixes it most times or more times than not. Uh, it's basically related to cookies which I thought was pretty interesting. So he says, um, it seems to stem from a cookie issue in his experience. And then there's three different options. He has either clear your cookies or try a private incognito window, um, or try visiting the site in a different browser, um, assuming different cookies, etc. But this seems to almost always solve the problems. Um, and yeah, so interesting. Of course it's, uh, frustrating that it doesn't work but at least we have a solution so thanks charlie for sharing that because i'm sure most people haven't figured out it was a cookie problem uh, it's kind of a weird one for sure okay so i think ben adele must be taking a holiday from his blog post because we haven't actually had one from him for a while but don't worry we still have great content from ben adele and so in this one we have a tweet and he's checking out his gift skills i don't know if you saw this one brad but I think it's something we have to show. So he wrote uh, a little it? gif saying he loves cold fusion. Deal with it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see that gif. I saw a couple gifts from Ben on Twitter, but I somehow missed that one. That's Too funny. Yeah. So a little, a little fun, a little humor there for you. Waka? Is that the name of the animal? I think it is. It's a really weird one. Yeah, I've. I've had discussions nice. about the animal before. Little, it doesn't look real, does it? But it is. So weird. Light. Sunglasses. Yeah. Well, the sunglasses might be fake. Anyway, next up. Sunglasses are real. <laughs> the CFML jobs um, that we have available this week. We have uh, several from getcfmljobs.com. And then we also have some from Ordis. So you'll see this four recent job postings. We have ColdFusion developer at remote in the US. We have another ColdFusion developer at remote in the US. We have a senior software engineer, ColdFusion at Bangalore in India. And we also have a ColdFusion SQL developer business analyst at Danbury, Connecticut. And so those are the most recent, but we also have several more from just before that. So we have over 150 positions listed here on getcfmljobs.com. And if you're looking for someone, uh, please post a job. Uh, it's no charge, completely free, and gets good coverage from uh, from the internet. It has their own Twitter account, and of course, we talk about it every week. Okay. If you'd want to see some more about the Order Solutions jobs, we have two positions. We have one position in the USA team and one position in the El Salvador team. And if we go to autosolutions.com slash about us slash careers, and we should have that listed right there. So you can find out more about the positions, the requirements, et cetera, and you can apply today. Okay. And so Charlie's got a couple more points here. Let me see if I've missed anything before we jump on to the next thing. Okay. So the links Charlie's sharing right there. Sorry, Charlie, I was too slow pasting. 
So, but yeah, if you want to share the links, Charlie, that's great. They're already in the show notes. Um, but if you want to share them in the chat for everyone watching, that's great. Okay, Brad. Next up, we have the Forgebox module of the week. It's CF Config. So since you've talked about it enough, we don't need you know a full spiel on it. But what are some of the other things that people may not know after talking about the the update in one point four point oh? Other One things. of my favorite features of CF config that I don't know if a lot of people know about is um, the CF config dip command. It will let you compare um, to anything, to JSON files, to servers, a server in a JSON file, doesn't matter. Um, and it could even be an Adobe server and a Lucy server. And it will show you all of the settings that are the same between those servers, all the settings that are different between the servers, or all the settings that are maybe set in one server, but not in the other, um, which can be super handy if you want to figure out why is this work on my staging server, but not on my production server. Um, you know, if you have like a, a mapped, you know, network drive that goes to both of those servers' hard drives, you can just, you know, directly diff the settings straight across the network right there. And you can see, oh, uh, my request timeout is different on stage than it is in production or whatever. And on top of that, the diff command supports an HTML and a PDF export of all of the settings. So you can filter, there's a whole bunch of filters the diff command supports. Um, you can say, show me, you know, only settings are the same, only settings that are different, only settings that are in one server, but not the other server. And you can export that into a PDF. Um, and one of our, our clients, so we have as a government client actually uses this as a nightly job. Um, they, they run, Command box um, is a nightly job that diffs their production servers to like a gold standard JSON file. And then anything that's different that might have been changed directly on the server will be exported into a PDF on a network drive. Um, and it has, to, it has the date and the name automatically. So they have a history of all the settings every day of what they were on their server, all powered by the, the skip config diff command. They can go pull up PDF, you know, export, and they can see this is what the setting was on this date. Um, so that's got a cool little feature of, of CF config that I don't think a lot of people use. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Know about it. Most people use it for import and exporting config, you know, easy peasy. But the, the diff stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, I like the diff stuff for sure. I didn't know they had the PDF export and everything, though. I thought it was just command line output. So that's pretty cool. No, yeah. HTML and PDF. You can control where it goes to. You can control the file name. Um, that and my next favorite thing, which is fairly recent, are the environment variable conventions. Um, where you know you can just set an environment variable on your Docker container called cfconfig underscore. You have the name of a setting, and when the server starts, cfconfig will just see that environment variable. They're not even case sensitive. Thank you, Confusion. Um, it, it'll suck them in and it'll stick them into the server. Um, Very cool. Super handy. I use it all the time locally. Uh, in fact, I, I use the .env module locally to have a global environment variable called cfconfig underscore admin password, which is just a plain text administrator password. And so I always have that, that environment variable set in my local command box shell. And because of that, every local server I start, regardless of whether it's Lucy or Adobe, has that default automatic password, which I think literally is just the word password on my local machine because I don't care. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I actually, I, one of the reasons I changed it to that is because when I'm doing like screencasts or screen shares, it's not uncommon for me to type env show and it'll dump out all my environment variables. I don't want to have like an actual password of mine you know, pop up on the screen during a meeting. So I just set the password literally to the word password because it's, it's local, it's local, who cares? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, those, that's are my, those are my two favorite CF config features, I think. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a neat tool. And again, it's one of those things like, how do we live without it, you know? 
So yeah, and as, as Charlie likes to point out to people, you don't have to be using command box to power your servers in order to use cfconfig. cfconfig is a module for command box, so you have to have command box installed somewhere to use it. But you can point cfconfig at just a regular standard Lucy or Adobe Cold Fusion installation to show it where the files are on the hard drive and say, read and write my config from this folder and see if config will gladly do it for you. It'll, it'll detect the version, it'll detect the engine, you just need to tell it where it lives. Um, so a lot of people who use cfconfig, um, they don't have the liberty of using command box to power the servers, but they still use cfconfig to manage the configuration. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'd like the diff tool just like you say for those those changes, audits, etc. Sometimes it can be really painful trying to figure out what's different between these two servers. <laughs> so, very cool. Well, that's your ForgeBox module of the week. It's my elevator pitch. Yep. Next up, we have our VS Code hints, tips, and tricks of the week. And so this one's actually a website, and the website it is titled VS Code can do that which I think is a pretty cool name for a site. <laughs> you know, so, I wouldn't even be surprised anymore because there's so much crap that see the, the, the VS code does. But the thing is, I mean, this shows you basically all the things that VS studio uh, code VS code does that no one told you about basically. And they're not even extensions. So that's kind of the interesting thing. So this is brought to you by Brooke, uh, ooh, sorry, Burke Holland and Sarah oh. Dressner. So they're pretty popular in, uh, you know, certain fields. But, you know, talking about false collapsible regions, refactor promises to async await, um, balance inward, outward, pull request. Well, that actually says requires the extension for that one. But uh, toggle sidebar focus, breadcrumbs, just all these things. Slack chat. Wait. Uh, see, some of these things we haven't even looked at. But the cool thing is it's got a cool little thing here. Shows you how to, you know, start using it. And then... Uh, has little videos too so you can check them out but there's a lot of pretty awesome stuff in here uh so they've just got tons and tons of tips and tricks so if you don't want to go back and look at all our ones uh there's pretty pretty good number in here and some of these we've talked about before but a lot of them they're really new and we haven't even looked at them yet so we might go through this list and uh, highlight any special ones uh, in the future i know we've gone over the the bracket pair colorizer, we, we use that one all the time and some other things, but a lot of these things are actually built in automatically. So Emmet, for example, but yeah, so pretty neat site, lots of cool features, tools, and, and our ideas. So um, yeah, definitely want to check this one out. If you're using VS code, there might be some tips and tricks that you didn't even know about. Okay. Last but not least, we are at our Patreon supporter. So um, just a, another shout out to John Wilson, who was our new top supporter. So he updated last week. who we put us over the top to get us to that 100% of our first goal. And like we said at the start awesome. of the show, we are also uh, we're now on the way to our next goal, which is trying to basically fully fund the cloud infrastructure for ForgeBox and our package management with CommandBox. So we're at forty-one percent of the way there. So that's awesome. And Luis is already coming up with his next goal. So we'll uh, find out about that one once we reach this. So, and as you mentioned before, Brad, those Bron packages where you get the the ForgeBox Pro and the CFCast subscription as that perk for being a Patreon um, subscriber. 
And we did mention earlier too, now we have the annual package. So you can save 10% if you get it for the year all at once. So it's a little incentive to, to pay up front. And uh, some of the bigger packages actually get tickets into the box included too. So you may want to check those out as well. If you're thinking about going into the box, might That's be really worthwhile. Good point. Yeah, if you're going to go to into the box, um, you know, talk to your manager about just looking at some of the Patreon support packages because you guys could just do a yearly payment you could hit one of those support packages, get get some free in the box tickets out of it, and then all the other goodies like CFCast subscriptions and stuff. That could yeah, for sure. Bundle and save, as they say. Yep, for sure. Okay, Brad, I think it's your turn to read. Tell us all these amazing people are. I I, I can't read, Gavin. Well, I, we know I that. Knew. This is a very sensitive subject for me. Um, no, I was going to find the show notes again. I minimized them because I was busy pushing out a quick fix for CF config. Some people Oops. already found a little bug Uh-oh. in it. I asked people to, to test and test. They did. It, it, it was actually, it, it was, it was a little part of CF config that required the bleeding edge of command box to work. Um, mm. so I had to put a little work around for it. You know how that goes, but back to our Patreon supporters, John Wilson from Synaptrix, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Bellinger, uh, Dean, Mander, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jonathan Parrott, Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, Yogesh Mathur, Joseph Lamery, Ben Nadell, Brett DeLion, Carl Von Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Carr, Daniel Garcia, Diego Snicky, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxma ends with a T, Leon Saramellis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, <gasps> Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Odin, Stephanie Monge, and Stephen Klotz. Big thanks to our huge list of Patreon supporters. Yep. And if you guys want to check out that list online, you can go to autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash sponsors. So you'll see some, we have some Hall of Famers in here for some big uh big contributors over time and then we've got information on some of the different packages obviously some other sponsors than our personal sponsors in here so uh, check that out if you need to our show notes will be uploaded on the website when the podcast is uh, uploaded to the audio and that wraps us up for another week brad we're on time in under an hour it's like a miracle week it's a miracle week and it's a CF config release. I mean, yeah, it doesn't get any better than this people. You're on a, you're on a roll, man. <laughs> okay. Get some work done. Yep. You guys have a great week. Thanks everybody for tuning in live and we'll catch everybody else later. Bye. Bye everybody. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.